Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on blissbusiness.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, tonight's Hero Call have the great honor of having the infamous Jerry Scribner as our uh, guest. He's got an extraordinary story and uh, has built a fantastic organization. Jerry's one of my favorite guys in the profession from a heart standpoint. He's all heart, all street smarts, all personal relationship, and all hard work. And he has an extraordinary story. So, Jerry, welcome to the call tonight. Thank you for joining us. Say hi to these folks. Hey, good evening, everybody. And, Richard, thank you so very much for asking me to be on the call. It is truly one of the greatest honors I've had uh, in seven years of this profession. Well, that's awesome. And I think it's probably everybody's honor because I heard a lot of chatter coming up to this call and a lot of chatter on the Facebook page about how excited people were to hear your story. A lot of people have followed you. They've heard you speak on occasion uh, or heard people speak about you. And so let's jump into it and uh, tell people your story. You kind of have, you know, starting off, you kind of got a little bit of a Rudy story and you know, <laughs> with your sports, your sports dream and your corporate America experience. So my first question, Jerry, is uh, well, just get profile yourself just a little bit for people. Tell us about your family and where you live. You bet. I grew up in uh, Midland, Michigan, uh, central part of the state, uh, near the thumb. And uh, as you said, I, my, I mean, my dream as a kid was uh, if it had a ball attached to it, I was all over it. And uh, I knew I was going to be the right fielder for the Detroit Tigers one day and replaced Al Kaline, my favorite player. And uh, that ended up not happening. And uh, so I, I knew <laughs> the, the pitchers, in, in, uh, by the time I became a high schooler, the pitchers figured I couldn't hit a curveball. Um, and so I was set that uh, the University of Michigan, the Wolverines would come calling because they would need a, uh, a defensive lineman to play for him, and uh, at five foot nine and 180 pounds at the time, um, that didn't work out too well because I thought the Detroit Lions would want me to play for him. So my last hope, my last hope was the Detroit Pistons, and I knew that one day I was going to replace Dave Bing and be the point guard for the Pistons. And you know, there's an old saying that white men can't jump, and I proved that to be true. And uh, so. My dream of being a professional athlete ended at the end of high school. And, and you uh, know, Jerry, I can tell you why that happened. <laughs> and, and, you know, people listening on the call can probably tell you, too. Okay. You you used hope as a strategy. Ah, yes. <laughs> See, it, if you'd have not used hope as a strategy and you'd just been committed and had a vision – You'd have grown taller and you'd have been bigger and stronger, but you were you were just hoping, and you know what happens when you hope. That's true. So I'm going to start creating a vision for my golf game. <laughs> there you go. Hey Jerry, do us a favor and uh, take the microphone, whatever you're using, and move it a little bit further away from your mouth. We got a little bit of buzz. On your consonants. Okay, let me see here. Is that any better? Yep, it probably is. If you just move it a little ways away, you'll probably be better. Okay. All right, well, tell uh, us. To, uh, to, to finish that story, I, I, I live in Houston, Texas. Uh, actually, yeah. in Richmond, Texas. It's a suburb of Houston. Um, Monica and I have been married 27 years, so we have. Uh, Two daughters, Susanna, who's 23, and Catherine, who's 20. And uh, gosh, I moved here in 1984, so I'm a Texan, and I absolutely love it here. Yeah, beautiful. A lot of lot of real powerful networkers 
in the Houston area. Okay, so talk to us about uh, your your career in life prior to network marketing. What did you do for a living? Uh, I was a sheetrock hanger. For those of yep. you that don't know what that is, that's the, for most people, that's the stuff on your ceiling or on the wall of your home. Um, I did that for many years and then uh, got into uh, computer-aided drafting and design. And I went to the infamous ITT Technical Institute and got a two-year associate's degree and at age 31 and went off uh, to work for a number for a couple of small companies uh, in construction doing drawings on a computer form. And uh, so that was basically it until 2007 uh, when a very dear friend of mine, and there's a lot of lessons in what I'm about to share, a very dear friend of mine had the courage to pick the phone up and call me. He didn't run an ad in the paper. He didn't hit me on Facebook or any of that kind of stuff. But he called me and he said, I just want you to take a look at something. And I did. And I watched the video online, and I believed the timing was perfect for me. Um, we were drowning in debt. Uh, we had no money saved for our daughters for college. And I saw network marketing as possibly a way to make four or $500 a month uh, to save for our two daughters to get them through college. Awesome. So that was that was the motivator that got you to respond. Is you were just looking for a few hundred dollars a month. Absolutely. You know. Okay. To, and in, to, my, in my notes, Jerry, uh, my notes say that uh, your sponsor also sent you a Jim Rome CD. Smartest thing he ever did. Uh, the very first week I was in the business, I get a package in the mail, and it had a CD by some guy named Jim Rome, and I was thinking, Jim Rome, that's a knucklehead on Sports Talk. Uh, uh -huh. Why would why would he send me a, a CD by Jim Rome, R O M E, and it was Jim Rome, R O H N, and it was called How to Build Your Network Marketing Business. And Richard, I heard I I, I had about an hour commute to work every day back and forth, and I listened to it the first time. And I was so mesmerized by what Jim Rohn had to say. I literally listened to that CD every day on the way to work and on the way back home for the for my first 30 days in the business. Yeah. Yeah, I would assert, uh, Jerry, that that move right there, 30 days on the same CD over and over and over again, so you actually memorize and internalize the philosophies and the message, that right there is what made your career. That was As I look back, you're, you're absolutely correct. As I look back over the last seven years, that, that single moment basically was kind of put everything in, uh, in motion. Okay. So let's analyze just a little bit. Uh, your friend had the courage to pick up the phone and call you. Do you remember what he said? Yes. Uh, it was kind of funny because he had been one of these guys that had been in a number of network marketing businesses in the past. And basically, when I would hear from him, it was because he was in a new one and he wanted me to look at it. And the funny thing is, I didn't have a cell phone in 2007. Uh, Monica and I still had a landline, and we didn't have caller ID. So when I got home from work one night, Monica said, hey, Carrie called. And I said, oh. You know what he wants. I'm not here if he calls while I'm here. I actually told her that. And he called a couple more times, and I was there, and she, you know, told him I wasn't there. And then one Sunday night in late March of 07, I pick up uh, the phone rings, and I pick it up, and it was Carrie. And I could tell by the tone of his voice he was saying, gotcha. You know, I, I caught you. <laughs> I just, you know, I, he knew that I knew. And he said, look, you have absolutely no reason to look at this other than our friendship, our relationship. Would wow. you just Would you just take a look? Harry goes down in the Hall of Fame. That's, yes. That's a, that's a power move right there is to acknowledge that, 
maybe the credibility's not there, maybe the timing's not right, maybe because of missteps in the past, but I'm just asking you as a friend, will you do me a favor and watch this video? That's brilliant now, on his part. And brilliant. What he he said, can you get in front of your computer? And I said yes. And he uh, took me to a website, and it was a 17-minute video, and he stayed on the phone the entire 17 minutes. That's another brilliant move on his part. Where is this guy? I want to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's, what's really well, sad, that, Richard, is if he had just given me a link to go watch, there's a good possibility I would not have watched it, and I would have told him I did, and it's not for me. Yep. He but stayed the on the phone. He stayed at, with you for 17 minutes is as close as you can get over the phone to actually sitting with somebody and watching a video with them. So you make sure they watch it, and if they're losing interest or they got questions, you can handle it right there. It was a brilliant. And move. that's exactly what he did. When it was all done, all he said is, "So, what do you think?" Mm-hmm. And that's all you, have to I, you don't need any. You don't need any fancy closes about. You know, what did you like best? Where do you see yourself? All those land is manipulative. If people are interested, what do you think? How would you feel about it? Anything like that is going to get you the response you're looking for. And it's neutral. It's non-manipulative. And that's what people want. People don't want to be sold. They want to buy. They want to make decisions that they're in control of. And they don't want to feel pushed to do it. Where is Gary yeah, today? Is he, is he still involved in your business? He is. Kerry is a retired pharmacist. He's 71 years old. Uh wow. Gets a very nice check every month. He's a grandfather. He's traveling. He's been to China this year. He's been to Hawaii. And uh, he's really living a great life. And I just cannot thank him enough for calling me. Uh, I'm so happy uh, for him that it you know, worked out for him. And so what percentage of Carrie's income is your group? Uh, 99.9. Okay, so here's another great lesson. How many times did Carrie call you that you blew him off? Uh, probably four to five times. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, this happens to all of us. Happens to me, happens to Jerry still, happens to all of you. You call somebody once and they don't call you back. And what do you make up about it? What do you decide about somebody not calling you back? Notice how easy it is to decide they're not interested, they're avoiding you, they don't want to talk to you, they don't respect you enough to call you back, they already know what you want and they don't want to call you back, they're not interested, they're out, all of that. So that makes the second phone call. When you make that story up, that makes the second phone call ten times harder than the first phone call. And, of course, when you make the second phone call and they don't call you back, or, you know, the wife says they're not here, but they still don't call you back, then obviously you're going to make up the same thing the second time. So I, I would love to know what Jer- or Carrie made up about the fact that you didn't call him back. Because whatever he made up empowered him to keep calling you until he got a hold of you. And maybe what he made up was, you know, Jerry just doesn't return phone calls. Maybe, maybe what he made up was, Jerry knows what I want. I've called him on all this stuff before. He's not going to call me back, but I'm going to keep calling him until I get him on the phone because I have a vision. If I can just tell him what I'm doing, he's going to see that this one is different. So he made that up. One of the things I make up, Jerry, and I'd be curious uh, how you deal with this, when somebody doesn't call me back, I make up that they had some kind of personal emergency so that what's in the space between them and me is compassion as opposed to irritation, disrespect, or that they don't want to talk to me, that right now is just not a good time for them for reasons that I don't know and what I want to put in the space is compassion. 
So what do you what do you make up, Jerry? What do you do when you call somebody and they don't call you back? Well, I can tell you, Richard, probably the first year to eighteen months in in my career, I I did the other thing. I made up all the reasons in my mind of you know, oh they think this is stupid. They think you know I I was making the decision for them uh, without ever even talking to them, and it took about a year and a half until I got some training and. Basically, I have the exact same philosophy as you do. Something's going on in their life right now that, uh, you know, is in between us, and uh, I'm okay with that. And I I don't have an issue making another call, making another follow-up. Because, you know, they they might have had a bad day at work. Uh, They might have gotten an argument with their spouse. Maybe their kid got sick or something. There's always something. And so I give them the benefit of the doubt and just make another call. Yeah, because you know it's it's happened to all of us. We're all busy, and you know I've I've told this. It's irresponsible, of course, but I've told this to friends who call me and say, "Why didn't you call me back?" And I said, "Well, I forgot," and then I forgot again, and then I got distracted, and then I got busy, and and then I thought, "Well, you know, if it was that important, you'd call me back." <laughs> <laughs> Which is certainly a poor way to deal with people that call you, but if you just don't make up something that takes you out of the game, then you can stay in the game. And the irony is, you know, if Kerry had made up that you weren't interested and you were dodging him, he was right. But you don't actually ever know if you're right. You don't know what's going on with people unless you ask them. And so... The irony is he was right if he made that up that you weren't interested and you were dodging him, but he must have made up something else because he kept calling you. And when he then finally got you on the phone, he created an opportunity for you to say yes. And you said yes on your own initiative. Yeah, I'll look. And then you looked. And you saw something you didn't expect to see, did you? Oh, that's, did, you see, did, you, yeah. did you see the opportunity different than you imagined it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it was, uh, in fact, I didn't let on to him, but in the 17 minutes of watching the video, I said, I'm going to do this. I am all <laughs> over this. I'm going to make some money with this. Uh, and again, I don't know, you know, timing is so important in our profession. And for me, uh, we were heavily in credit card debt, uh, uh, car notes, uh, and no money in savings for our two daughters for college. You know, and what's really cool, Richard, is, um, you know, I, I've been such a fan of these Hero Series calls, and, you know, many of the people that you've had on here make a lot more money than I do, okay? But I also know that many of them have been in their business 15, 20, 25 years, or they've been in the profession. And in just a short period of time, about four years, Monica and I were able to save enough cash through our business to pay off all the debt and to pay for our both of our daughters' college education in cash. And and I look yeah. at that like, wow, that is a huge win. And there's so many families out there that are looking to save money for college, or uh, like as you know in, in the Four Year Career Book, it talks about how as many people get through. Uh, saving money for children for college, and they can't start saving for themselves until they're in their 50s, which gives them less time to save. Yep. All right. Well, don't sell yourself short, Jerry. You've built a tremendous business, and here's the thing that I know you know is true. It doesn't matter if you make, you know, $10,000 a month or $100,000 a month. It doesn't even matter if you make $5,000 a month. Somebody that makes $5,000 a month every month in network marketing, residual income from their sales organization, they know how to build this business. They have personally sponsored plenty of people. They've worked with plenty of second level, plenty of third level, fourth level, fifth level, all the way down to their seventh, eighth, and ninth, and tenth level. They've traveled all over the United States. They've done hundreds of meetings. They've been on hundreds of conference calls. They know the business. Maybe they don't have the ambition to make fifty grand a month, or maybe they just haven't been in the business long enough to make that kind of money. 
but anybody that makes five grand a month or more in network marketing is an ace. They're an absolute ace. They're a leader. They're rarefied air. They they <clears throat> deserve to have stories written about them, books written about them, video interviews about them. They deserve stage presence because what they've done is what 999 other people before them have not done. And, you know, it's one thing to sponsor enough people and sell enough product to make a few hundred dollars a month. Really, anybody can do that. But to personally sponsor dozens and dozens of people and build a team and get that team into the second generation, third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation, and have that team growing such that you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, a couple thousand people in your group, I mean, you're making just even if you're just making five thousand dollars a month, you're a millionaire. That distributorship is worth a million bucks, and it's worth a million dollars because if you could step away from it, if you could go to the beach for a month, if you could go to Europe for a summer, if you could get sick somehow or get in a car wreck and get taken out of the game for six months, and you still make five thousand dollars a month because your income is generated by a few thousand people who are not dependent on you. They have their own dreams, their own ambitions, their own business to build. They haven't, they haven't sponsored all those people. They're not into their fourth and fifth and sixth generation. they got a lot of work to do yet. So they're driving to build. When you have an organization at that level, you have residual income. And $5,000 a month in pure residual income is worth a million bucks. That's how much real estate you'd have to have. That's how much equities you'd have to have at least to earn five grand a month in residual income. That makes you a millionaire. And anybody that can get in this business and start with 500 or $1,000 or $2,000 and work at part-time for a little while and four years later end up a millionaire, that's rarefied air. Those are heroes in my book, and I want to hear exactly how they do it. The richness for me in these interviews, Jerry, is exactly what did Carrie say to you? And there's, I mean, there's an hour long, there's a day long in Jerry calling you and what he said and what you said and why you watched that video. There's so much gold there, it's amazing. So tell us how you got started, and what happened for you initially? Uh, it's kind of funny. Terry and I, we live about 60 miles apart. And he told me when I joined, he said, look, I'm not going to travel up to Houston to do meetings for you. I will do three-way calls and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm kind of retired, and I just I don't want to do that. So... You know, I'll help you in every other way I can. So what I did, uh, my second day in the business, I called five of my friends. The first person I called was the single most financially successful person I personally knew in all of Houston, Texas. He was a multimillionaire real estate developer guy. Uh, and this is exactly what I said to him. I said, Tim, I got something I need to talk to you about. Can you meet me over at the coffee shop tomorrow night at 7? And he said, sure. I said, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. Okay, see you then. I called four more of my friends. I said the same exact thing. And all five of my friends showed up. I bought them all coffee. And I had a little DVD uh, video player. And I said, guys, look, you all know my situation. We're broke. And... uh, the girls are 16 and 13, and we have no money saved for college, so I'm launching a business. And I want you to take a look at what I'm doing. If it's not for you, no big deal. And we sat there, the six of us, and watched that 17-minute video, the same one Kerry showed me. He, he, had mailed, uh, he had gotten me a DVD. When it was done, Tim turned to me, and he pulled his credit card out of his wallet, and he threw it on the table, and he said, sign me up. And I said, really? You, Tim? Are you, really? He goes, Jerry, I am all over this. Well, what was funny is the other four people were all working stiffs like me. 
And they kind of turned to each other and they said, well, shoot, Tim's, you know, we all knew each other really well. Tim's doing a whole lot better than us. If Tim thinks this is good, let's all get in. So those five people joined that night. Now, that is not going to happen to 99 out of 100 people. You're not going to have the first five people you expose your business to join. It did for me. Here's what was cool. When we we got done signing everybody up, and they go, okay, Jerry, what what's next? And I go, uh, I don't know. I've only been in a day longer than you guys. And they go, well, what do we do? I said, let's do this. Tomorrow night, let's all meet back here at the coffee shop at 7, and everybody bring somebody. Well, the second night, we had 14 people there. Uh, uh, some of those people joined, some didn't. Uh, the third night, I said, let's, co- let's come back to the coffee shop and everybody bring somebody. And, Richard, we had to do two sessions because the, the little DVD player I had only had a seven-inch screen, and we had like 25 people in the coffee shop trying to watch and listen. So I said, all right, let's do this. The 10 of you go watch it, and I'll go over here and visit with the other 10. And then we rotated them in and let them watch it. And at the end of our first 30 days, those five original people had turned into 45 on my team. Wow. And I had made $3,100. And I thought, wow, this thing this thing might really work. My friend Tim, the first person I sponsored, he made $11,000 his first month. That's that's phenomenal. That's some huge money for month one. So tell us about personally sponsoring the first 90 days. How many people did you sponsor and, and how did you do it? First 90 days, I sponsored 10 people. Uh, and the way I did it was because I still had a job, I was working 60 hours a week, um, I knew that everybody had to eat breakfast and everybody had to eat lunch. So I made it a goal every day of meeting somebody for either breakfast or lunch, and I tried to do both. I tried to meet somebody for breakfast and somebody for lunch, and that was my entire game plan. Um, I I wanted a home-based business. I didn't want a business where I had to go to meetings every night of the week. Um, now, I ended up... Um, uh, our company, we had we had a local meeting here in Houston on Tuesdays that I typically would plug into. But what's really interesting, and I and I've told this to people forever, I've never had a lot of success getting people to come out to hotel meetings. Personally, what I have had success with is sitting down, having a cup of coffee, you know, eating a sandwich, sharing my business with them, finding out what they need or want, and then. Then, after I do that, then inviting them to come out to the local event kind of like as social proof that, hey, there's other people doing this. There's a fireman. There's a doctor. There's a, you know, a homemaker. There's, you know, whoever. And uh, so I've, I've never had success just calling people up and saying, hey, come out to this event at the hotel on Tuesday night at 7. It's always been kind of belly button to belly button. Um, you know, over a cup of coffee or tea or whatever. Okay, so tell us about the first year. How many did you personally sponsor the first year? First year, let me think. uh, I did 10, and I got promoted, and then I would say around 20, between 18 and 20, first year. Okay, and by the end of the second year? 30. And by the end of the fourth year? Fourth year, 60. In total, since you've been in the business now seven years, how many people have you personally sponsored? 86. And how many total active people in your group? 7,000. 7,000. <laughs> I love that. You've actually personally sponsored a lot fewer people than I would recommend, but what... I think you have from looking at your numbers is out of those 82 people that you personally sponsored, how many leadership legs do you have? How many of them actually turned in to leaders that are building big businesses? 
leadership legs, I would say two, but there's many leaders within those two legs, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. So you've got two great legs. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> 7,000 people and 15,000 customers, right? Yeah, actually, we've had actually over 20,000 enroll in the last seven years. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Those are great stats, Jerry. That's, uh, you know, I know you and I know people that have much bigger businesses than that in seven years, but I don't think it serves everybody listening to Heroes Calls to have everybody that I'm interviewing, you know, they're making $937,000 a month after four years because if I was on the call, I would just decide I can't do that. Your uh, your numbers are very realistic, very doable. You basically sponsored about 20 people a year, which is less than two a month. Anybody can do that if they just stay active in inviting and presentations. And, you know, that, that really is nothing more than a pace of one invite a day and maybe one presentation a week. And anybody can do that, and they can do it on a part-time basis. And what you've shown is that if you'll do that for four years, the geometric progressions will serve you. They'll go to work for you. It's like the penny a day that you double for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, it's worth $5 million. But what's it worth at the end of 15 days? Not very much, about 167 bucks. And so what happens to people in this business is, you know, maybe they do the business for two years and they look at what they're earning and it it just doesn't inspire them. But what they're, they're missing the point, which is, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the four-year career and I hammer so hard the geometric progressions is if you let compounding go to work for you, whether you're saving money, investing money, or building a network marketing organization, it will in time power up and inspire you with extraordinary numbers and extraordinary wealth. And your 7,000 distributors and 20,000 customers just screams. You let the power of geometric progression go to work for you. So you're a hero and a champion. Well, and you. I know <clears throat> the soft stuff, Jerry, which is hard to get at in an interview like this, but I do want you to speak to it, is what I know you bring to the party, besides you actually actually work the business and work the numbers, is you brought heart and leadership and service to the people that you enrolled. So how about you tell the folks, you know, what are some of your philosophies? What are some of the service actions that you consistently did that supported people, that turned people into successful distributors and leaders? What have you done to inspire and train and grow your group? Well, I believe that a rising tide lifts all ships. So it's funny. There's a number of people that I coach outside of uh, my company that, you know, and I'm not saying this to, to lift me up, but I don't charge a penny to do it because I just believe if they're if they're successful, it helps me in my business. Now, one thing I've done for seven years, which some people sometimes don't believe it, but every single person that joins my team, I call them. And I typically call them the day they join. And I just introduce myself uh, just to let them know that, hey, I'm a part of the team. I'm here to help you. Uh, you'll probably be getting some emails from me. I just want you to know who I am and uh, I, I try to find out why they get got involved in the business on that first call. Um, not very real in depth, but just on the surface. And, and when I put their contact information in my computer, I'll put down that you know they want to get out of credit card debt or they want to uh, you know save for college or whatever it is. And that way, when I do talk to them, I tend to talk about their why as much as possible. The other thing I do, I'm really big on personal development and reading the books and listening to the audios. And so we have uh, different books and audios that we recommend to people 
I'm sure like every other company, and uh, I've got my favorites uh, that I point people to, and uh, and then we just we build, we try to build a culture of fun, of having fun. Let's go hang out. Let's go to the ball game. Let's go, you know. Let's just go get pizza. Let's and not talk business. Let's just go build relationships. Let's have people over to the house. Uh, let's have a potluck. Let's you know those kind of things so that. People understand it's just not always money, 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 and, and business, business, business. That's beautiful stuff. <clears throat> okay, a couple specific questions as we wrap this up. What is, if you can think of one, what is the single biggest mistake, whether you made it repetitively or you only made it once, what's the single biggest mistake you made in building your business? Uh, I would say I used to think this, and I don't necessarily anymore. I used to think it was I didn't train people enough. And I've come to realize that, you know, I kind of hate the saying, you know, if you have a big enough why, you'll figure out how and all that kind of stuff. But I understand there's a big part to that. Uh, I used to think I had to train them to death. And I, I think that was a mistake. Uh, it's yeah. really interesting. The guy that's the, there's a gentleman above us. He's our number four money earner. Uh, he lives seven and a half hours away from me by car, and he will do anything for me. But he let me kind of, you know, skin my nose and trip and fall. And he knew that I had to go through the process, or else I would never become a leader. If he was, and he, and again, he would be there for me for anything, but he was like, he would kind of limit uh, what he would do for me. It was always, you know, personal responsibility, Jerry. What are you going to do for yourself? You've got it within you. What are you going to do for yourself? So I would say in the beginning, big mistake I made is I tried to overtrain people on the business rather than getting them involved more on the personal development side and being the person that's worthy of achieving the success that they have a vision for. Okay. And so the flip side of that, what is the single most, whether you did it once or you've done it, have done it many times, what's the single smartest thing you did that, that either made you the most money or the people that you're working with the most money? Uh, build depth. There's Tell us no about question. That. Tell and us about that. Quick story. I sponsored a guy in August of 2008. For two and a half years, he never enrolled one distributor or one customer. He did not make a dime. And in 2010, our company launches into a new state. And I hadn't heard from this guy in two and a half years. Well, he calls me and says, hey, Jerry, I know somebody in that state. Now, when we announced that we were going to that state, which was Pennsylvania, I didn't know anybody in Pennsylvania. In fact, I didn't even know that Philadelphia was right across the river from New Jersey. That's how ignorant I was. And I was not going to go to Pennsylvania and cold call and all that kind of stuff because it's not in my nature, and I live in the fourth largest city in America. I, there's enough business here for me to say grace over. Well, this guy said, I know this lady, so I contacted her. I, Richard, this is amazing. I spent at least a 1000 bucks to get on an airplane, get a hotel, rent a car, and on November 2nd of 2010, I flew there, and I met with this young lady named Nancy, who... I said, so how do you know Rick back in Houston? I'm thinking college, work, some something, right? She goes, oh, I met him on Facebook. And all that could run through my mind was, oh, my gosh, I spent a 1000 bucks to fly to go meet somebody that he met on Facebook. They'd never even met in person before. There can't be that big of a relationship there. It ended up where she was a single mom, three boys, didn't have a job and didn't have a car. Absolutely loved what I presented to her, but did not have the money to start. Now I was really frustrated because I had spent a thousand bucks to 
fly up there and meet somebody like that when there's lots of those people that fit that demographic in Houston. Two days later, Richard, she called me and said, okay, here's the deal. I rounded up the money. I want to do this. Can you guarantee me I'll get my money back? And I said, absolutely not. I'll help you. I'll do whatever I can. Today, that young lady has a couple thousand people in her downline. And all of that came off of a guy that I personally sponsored that did not enroll one distributor or one customer for two and a half years. And again, there's a real story there is you don't give up on anybody. Um, You know, I think a lot of times people will tend to write folks off. Well, they haven't done anything in six months. You don't know what's going on in their life. And thank goodness that Rick introduced me to Nancy. Yeah, beautiful. That's phenomenal. Uh, Okay, let me ask you this, Jerry. Uh, You have recently, a little late to the party, but recently become a uh, super fan, you and your organization, of the four-year career, buying them by the thousands and using them to invite people and to prospect. Tell people on the call how you use the book and what it does for you. You bet. I think I first read the book around 2008, uh, an earlier edition of it, and it was just an educational bombshell for me. It it was uh, very straightforward, no hype, great educational tool. And I didn't. I, I used it to educate myself. Well, I don't know. About sixty days ago, I started looking at really trying to come up with a tool that I could use. And I listened to a couple of your calls. I heard Dave Johnson. I heard Adam Green. Um, I heard a couple others that were using the book. And so, by myself, I ordered uh, about a hundred books. Uh, just to test it myself before I said anything to, to my group. And uh, very quickly, I sponsored a couple people using the book. And so then I started sharing it with our group. And I can tell you, I keep, I'm not a real big numbers guy, but I, I kept really good numbers on the book. Um, in fact, I handed out, once I really started keeping track of the numbers, uh, after I decided I was going to use the book, I handed out my first book to my chiropractor on June 16th. Uh, as of yesterday, uh, let's see, I've, uh, I've offered the book to 29 people. One person turned me down. He was a pharmacist at Walmart. And uh, 28 of the 29 people took the book, literally grabbing it out of my hand. Uh, over that thirty, roughly thirty-day period, uh, I will sponsor five to seven people personally. The exciting well, thing you, is, is I go ahead. You told me a story the other day about uh, you were in some restaurant or something. You sat down with three or four people and you plopped the book down on the table. Yes, I don't remember. Every, I don't remember the details of that, but tell us that. Sure. Every day at, in your training, you said. Carry the book on your person no matter where you go. So I literally, no matter where I go, I have that book in my hand. So uh, last week, uh, three of my friends invited me to lunch last Friday. Went to lunch. Uh, One of the gentlemen is in my downline. I personally sponsored him. Uh, He hasn't done a whole lot in six years. And uh, uh, these other two gentlemen, they know what I do. They've known for five or six years what I do, but I've never pushed it on them. And so we got into a conversation. We're all in our mid-50s or older, and the three of them got into a conversation about retirement and how they're concerned that they're not going to have enough money to last in 80 or 90 years old. I turned to page five in the book, and I, I read the paragraph at the top of the page of how most people will not start saving so they're well into their 50s, which leaves less time. And then I showed them the chart at the bottom of the page that shows 500 a month for seven at 7%, 40 years is 1.3 million, at 20 years is 260,000 or whatever it is. And all three of them said, that's where I'm at. And that's what I'm concerned about. And I, and I 
turned to Cliff, one of the gentlemen that's not in my business, and I said, Cliff, I read this book a couple years ago, and it allowed me to create total financial freedom in four to five years without jeopardizing my job or my profession. If that information is accurate, would you like to read a copy of it? He said, absolutely, and he grabbed the book out of my hand. And my associate, my, my distributor, uh, John and Cliff, got up to leave to go back to their jobs. And my other friend, Billy, he's a golf pro, he said, Jerry, can you stick around for a minute? Sure. Well, those John and Cliff left, and Billy said, hey, uh, I've been watching you for five or six years. I really didn't want to do what you're doing, but I see the success you're having. Could I get a copy of that book and read it also? And I said, well, Billy, yeah, I've got a copy out in the car. Let me go get it. And I met with Billy today for lunch, and he's joining our business. Um, That's beautiful. The, the book is just, it's been, you know, it's interesting. Um, when you get to a certain level in income, you can get lazy. You get complacent, and I think that happens to me. And what the book has done, it kind of gave me a challenge of, okay, can I get my goal is to get two books out a day, five days a week. And so I just, I leave the house. I got, you know, 40 or 50 of them in my trunk. I got them highlighted. I got my name in it. And my goal is, and I don't, I don't know who I'm going to give them to when I leave the house, but my goal is that day two people are going to get a copy of that book, and I'm going to schedule a time to uh, to follow up with them. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things I know you've found this too, Jerry, that's so much fun and so productive is any time you're with another distributor and the two of you are out, even if you're doing a meeting or, you know, you're just doing anything, you can really have a lot of fun together. You can have a level of fun and entertainment together that you can't have alone. Giving a book to somebody alone, you know, that can, for some people, conjure up, you know, all kinds of scary pictures. But when there's two of you together, it conjures up uh, pictures of adventure and fun and entertainment. It's it's kind of like, you know, if you go, if you drive an hour to do an opportunity meeting and you're the only one there and you're the only one to give the meeting and nobody shows up, it's a disaster. But if two of you drove to do the meeting and nobody shows up, it's hysterical. And you laugh about it all the way home. So anytime you can get the book in people's hands and do it in a, in a tag team, in a partnership with another distributor, it's a lot more fun. I, I always encourage people, find a running buddy. If you got a local running buddy, you know, try to find time every week where, hey, let's just go hit the town. Let's go, you know, let's go to a car show. Let's go to a museum. Let's go to a, you know, a, a uh, farmer's market. Let's go to a, some kind of educational seminar in the evening. Let's go together. You'll re, you'll prospect five times as many people with a partner that you enjoy hanging out with than you will alone. Great point. You know what's really interesting is after Cliff, after I give the I gave the book to Cliff, my distributor John, who's kind of been inactive, came to me and said, Can I buy ten books from you? Yeah, cool. Very cool. All right, in wrapping this up, Jerry, tell people What's Jerry Scribner up to now? Okay, you've got seven years invested in the business. You've got a great business, multi-millionaire status. But what does the next seven years look like? What are you going to do? Who are you going to become in the next seven years? What are you going to contribute to our profession and to the people on your team? What's your vision? My vision is I, I, there's a lot of things I want to do in life, Richard. Uh, one, one is ministry. I, I, my wife and I support um, a mission in Reynosa, Mexico, and uh, we send money there every month to, to educate these kids and help them out. I, I want to make, I, I will make a million dollars a year or more because I got, I have so much to do. Uh, you got, there. you have to tell the, you have to tell the crayon man story. <laughs> 
Well, a couple of years ago, we went down to uh, Reynosa uh, during Christmas, and uh, we had a Christmas event for the kids, about 150 kids, and uh, we had little cutouts of nativity scenes and stuff like that, and my job was to hand out the crayons. Well, they had a little Tupperware box of busted-up crayons, and I'd go to the table and hand out crayons to these little kids, and they'd, they'd grab one crayon and hang onto it like it was, you know, a gold brick bar. And when we were all done, the pastor said, you need to go pick up the crayons. And I said, what are you talking about, pick up the crayons? Let them have them. And she said, no, Jerry, we can't do that because that's all we have. And as I went back, Richard, to pick up those crayons, I mean, I got emotional. It was so difficult because these kids didn't want to give them up. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I have so much uh, wealth, if you will, where I live. And these kids don't even have crayons. So the next trip down, uh, I took 250 boxes of crayons. And now all the kids know me as the crayon guy. In fact, we're working on a book uh, called The Crayon Guy. Uh, to uh, raise money for that ministry. So that's another thing I see. Um, you know, I anything I can do to help folks, uh, whether it's in my company or not, I'm going to do everything I can to do so. Because, again, I believe a rising tide lifts all ships. So whether I'm speaking at Mastermind or speaking at some other event or coaching or whatever, uh, I just want to help people. You know, it, I know we hear the Zig Ziglar thing, you know, help enough people get what they want and you get what they want. I really buy into that. Uh, yeah, you, you, you are know. that. That's that philosophy is really responsible in large part to your success because you're a servant leader, Jerry Scribner, and that's one of, the, one of the many things that is inspiring about you. And you got a big dream to make a million dollars, did you say a month or a year? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I will make a million a year, and then we'll, then we'll work on a million a month. A million dollars a year buys a lot of crayons, and you have a lot of crayons to buy because you are the crayon guy. And the last thing you want to do is give a child a box of crayons, and then because of budgetary concerns, you got to pick up the crayons. That doesn't make any sense at all. And that little challenge right there created the crayon guy. And so I think the universe is going to funnel tons and tons and tons of abundance to you. Continue to do that, Jerry, because you have a worthwhile cause, and you're a servant leader. And I so appreciate you joining us tonight, and I know the people listening both in this live call and uh, for many years to come when people are listening to these recordings are going to get a great deal of inspiration and learn some really, really specific, powerful lessons from your story. So thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you, my dear friend. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. 